Hey, y'all. I'm pretending to be Paula Dean today. Nah, I ain't gonna do that to y'all. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. Welcome back for another episode of Chew the Bible. We are in 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 1. 1 Kings chapter 1. What happened? What happened, y'all? What happened? Uh, David. Yeah, David's in his last days. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. He is uh, laid up in bed because he's getting old, older. And his servants were like, "Hey, David's cold at night. He he's he's freezing. He can't he can't get himself warm. He doesn't have a, one of those thick blankets like uh, Aaron a Aaron. Uh, so let's get him a nice nice young lady to uh, beautiful young lady to keep him warm at night. And her name was Abishag. Lord Jesus." seeing what you've done for others please do that for me so yeah but he it made a it made a clear point to make sure to let us know that david was not intimate with this young lady because <laughs> once again whoever wrote this apparently jeremiah is the assumed author no one knows who the author is um clearly of this particular book first kings and second kings but it's assumed to be Jeremiah, apparently, from the notes I read yesterday. And, uh, yeah, he, the author knew how David got down. <laughs> All right, so uh, then there's this cat named Adonijah who was trying to uh, take over the throne. And Nathan was like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Um, did I miss something, David? Did David appoint this guy, Adonijah? And apparently Adonijah was, Adonijah was very handsome. And uh, so anyway, I talked about yesterday being careful for those of y'all that look good. All y'all Shamar Moores out there and Morris Chestnuts and uh, Fabios and Holly Berries and Pam Greers. All of y'all, all you Megan Goods, be careful. All you uh, BBs out there, be careful because vanity, vanity, uh, pride, yeah, it can, it can, it can get to you. Uh, what else, what else, what else, what else, what else? Hmm. So, yeah. David is like, okay, yeah, I need to go ahead and appoint a king because uh, this this cat, Adonijah's tripping. So, he appoints his son Solomon as the uh, heir to his throne. And yeah, just make yeah, not just heir, but goes on and goes ahead and makes him king. So here we go. Now we are in chapter two of First Kings. And by the way, it is October fifteenth, twenty twenty one, and it's eleven thirty in the morning. Still debating whether or not to get out here and do some deliveries or take. Part of me just wants to take the rest of the weekend off and enjoy it before I start this uh, backbending work at this new job. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. All right. Yeah, here we go. Chapter two, first Kings. David's dying instructions to Solomon as the time approached for David to die. He ordered his son Solomon. As for me, I'm going the way of all of the earth. Be strong and be a man. Hmm. And keep your obligation to the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, commands, ordinances, and decrees. This is written in the law of Moses so that she will have success in everything you do hmm. and wherever you turn. And so that the Lord will fulfill his promise that he made to me. If your sons guard their way to walk faithfully before me with all their heart and all their soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. You also know that what Joab, son of Zariah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of Israel's army, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether, he murdered them in a time of peace to avenge bloodshed and war. He spilled that blood on his own waistband and on the sandals of his feet. 
Act accordingly to your wisdom, and do not let his gray head descend on Sheol in peace. Hmm. Show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table, because they supported me when I fled from your brother Absalom. Hmm. Verse 8, keep an eye on Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjaminite, Benjaminite from Bahurim, who is with you. He uttered malicious curses against me the day I went to Mahinam. Yeah, I remember that old dude was kicking dirt in his face and cursing on him. But then once David, you know, got back in power on his throne, then all of a sudden Shimei was acting all nice and saying, begging not to. For David not to do anything, but David's like, hey, I know he says sorry. I know he's acting acting uh, like things are all peachy between us. But hey, keep an eye on him. As I used to say, uh, keep your keep your enemies, your friends close, or your enemies closer or something like that. That's that how the saying goes. I don't know. I'm bad with I'm bad with cliches. I'm just going to let you all know. Uh, <laughs> I often get them wrong or say like completely off the wall versions of them anyway all right but he came down to meet me at the jordan river and i swore to him by the lord i will never kill you with the sword so don't let him go unpunished for you are a wise man Hmm. don't let him go unpunished you know how to deal with him to bring his gray head down to sheol with blood i'm interested david said he wouldn't kill him but he's like hey I promise I wouldn't kill him, but I didn't say my own son wouldn't kill you. Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> As I read that. All right, verse 10. Then David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The length of time David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Wow, that goes at number 40. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 30 years in Jerusalem. Wow. Solomon sat on the throne of his father David and his kingship was firmly established y'all can go on your own time go to biblestudy.org i think and look up 47 the number 40 the number 7 and the number 30 and the significance of those numbers we talked a lot about it in these different episodes but just for for those of y'all that you bible heads i like to geek out on this stuff and want to go deeper there you go. There you go. There you go. Adonijah's foolish request. Now, Adonijah, son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. Just in case y'all forgot that Bathsheba was Solomon's mother. She asked, do you come peacefully? Peacefully, he replied, and then asked, may I talk with you? Go ahead, she answered. You know, the kingship was mine, he said. All Israel expected me to be king, but then the kingship was turned over to my brother, for the Lord gave it to him. So now I have just one request of you. Don't turn me down, she said to him. Go on. He replied, please speak to King Solomon since he won't turn you down. Let him give me Abishag, the 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 Shunammite, there you go, as a wife. And y'all remember, Abishag is old girl that was laying next to David. This is interesting. Why would he ask for her? I really wish I could just go. This is Jesus is king. <laughs> I was, Lord, oh God, I don't know. I know I've still got a long way to go before I'm ready to be married again, but I just keep begging, Lord. Lord, I'm going to do this right on wax. Let me just at least meet this woman. If I haven't met, if I met her already, this confirming in her spirit, have her send me a message today, either text or email. Be like, hey, if I've already met this woman, yes, have her contact me. If I haven't, then let me meet her today while I'm out making these deliveries. I'm going to go ahead and go out here because these bills don't sleep. I'm going to go out here for a few hours, try to make a quick hundred, and then uh, come on home and write. <sighs> here we go. Let's keep going. 
yeah, this love you. That's cool. You can just old dude just go ask for ask for what he want. Let's see if she grant. Let's see if uh, Solomon and his mama say it's okay. Very well, Bathsheba replied. I will speak to the king for you. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him about Adonijah. The king stood up to greet her, bowed to her, sat. See, look at that. He even has respect for his own mama. See, that'll be an interesting. That'll be an interesting. Uh, a cool word study, or um, what do you call it? Just do a like a blog post. You know, a personal just studying your own time. But something I would like to write about later is all the examples of where people showed each other respect in the Bible and how far we've come away from that. Where, yeah, shoot. Hmm. What if kids, what if we met parents made their kids like bow before them when they enter their parents' presence? And it's like, how would that change the respect that they have for their parents in honor? Because, yeah, it's missing from our. Yeah, it's missing from our world. Disrespect and honor. He bowed before his own mother. Anyway, all right. Sat down on his throne and had a throne place. Back it up. The king stood up to greet her, bowed to her, bowed to her, sat down on his throne and had a throne placed for the king's mother. So she sat down in his right hand. Wow. This is wild. Bathsheba is sitting at the right hand of her son. There's so much uh, imagery going on here, but I'll just keep going. Verse 20. Then she said, I have just one small request of you. Don't turn me down. Go ahead and ask, mother. The king replied, for I won't turn you down. Are you sure? That just says a lot of the respect he has for his mother because he knew that she wouldn't just bring any old request before him that wasn't... um legit or worthy of granting or at least listening to but yeah granting it he already said i'm gonna grant whatever it is whatever you ask she could have been saying hey um can i can i take you out can i like yeah can i kill you or she could have said something wild like or i don't know she could have been like do you want lima bean soup for dinner tonight and you have to eat it i don't know something crazy I don't like lima beans. Lima beans. I don't. I don't know who out here eating lima beans still, but y'all are special. Some special folks. All right. So she said, "Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to your brother Adonijah as a wife." King Solomon answered his mother, "Why are you requesting Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Since he is my elder brother, you might as well ask the kingship for him." For the priest Abiathar, <clears throat> and for Joab, son of Zariah. Then King Solomon took an oath by the Lord. May God punish me and do severely if Adonijah has made, has not made this request at the cost of his life. And now as the Lord lives, the one who established me seated me on the throne of my father David and made me a dynasty as he promised. I swear Adonijah will be put to death today. Then King Solomon dispatched Benaiah, son of Jehida, who struck down Adonijah, and he died. Mm. May God punish me and do so severely if Adonijah has not made this request at the cost of his life. Interesting. It's like King Solomon. Solomon knew something was up and he needed to go ahead and take out Adonijah because Adonijah was going to be a problem. And there was a special relationship that that um, Abishag had with David. Her, his father, an intimate relationship. And that was kind of like, I'm just assuming as I read into this text, it's probably blasphemous for him to make that kind of request. I'm reading into the text here, but 
And I wonder, I'm assuming that Abishag became his like personal attendant after David died. I'm sure she didn't just leave the uh she probably had some kind of special role with Solomon after David died. I don't know. Well, it doesn't really say. So that was yeah. What I'm saying is it seems as though maybe, yeah, that request just just from reading this on the surface, Adonijah's request was disrespectful. And yeah, Solomon realized it's gonna be a problem and I need to take this cat out. Alright, Abiathar's banishment. The king said to the priest Abiathar, go to your fields in Anathoth. Even though you deserve to die, I will not put you to death today, since you carried the ark of the Lord God in the presence of my father David, and you suffered through all that my father suffered. So Solomon banished Abiathar from being the Lord's priest, and it fulfilled the Lord's prophecy he had spoken at Shiloh against Eli's family. And I have to go back and read all that kind of stuff to see what's going on there. Joab's execution. Verse 28. The news reached Joab since he had supported Adonijah, but not Absalom. Joab fled to the Lord's tabernacle and took hold of the horn of the altar. It's crazy. So he's like, I'm taking out Adonijah, Abiathar, Joab. Hmm. There's a lot going on here, y'all. I'm trying to slow, slowly. I'm chewing on it to make sure I'm processing it correctly. Even though I like to read the Tony Evans notes and get clarity, I like to form pictures in my own head and get clarity on my own. You know, form my own opinions and thoughts, and you know, let it marinate in my mind before I just go to the commentary. So I hope y'all do that as well. Ideally, it would be good to just read this entire Bible without commentary. But it does help. And the commentary helps a lot. Somebody, yeah, somebody who's read the Bible, I'm sure, multiple times and has been to, you know, Tony Evans has been to seminary and preached thousands of sermons by now, has a lot of wisdom. So that's why I like to read the commentary as well. And it makes it more, um, it saves me some time from having to like go and, you know, do this research on my own. I get like a cliff note version, you know, anything that I missed or I like had one interpretation, but then I get a different interpretation of what I just read. So at some point I would like to go even deeper to this stuff, you know, go and deeper dive study. I want to even like start reading stuff in the Greek and the Hebrew and learn more about just the history of the Bible. And But right now we just reading this, reading it. <laughs> so read it. All right. Joab's execution. The news, verse 28, the news reached Joab since he had supported Adonijah, but not Absalom. Joab fled to the Lord's tabernacle and took hold of the horns of the altar. Yeah, I remember those horns of the altar. That's what, that's actually what Adonijah went and grabbed. Was it Adonijah that did that? Yeah. Adonijah grabbed those. Did I circle it? Anyway, I have it around here somewhere. He went and grabbed the horns of the altar. Anyway, we'll go back and look at that later. All right. Uh, it was verse 29. It was reported to King Solomon. Joab has it was reported to King Solomon. Joab has fled to the Lord's tabernacle and is now beside the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, son of Jehida, and told him, go and strike him down. It's wild how they had these people to do their dirty work. So Benaiah went to the tabernacle and said to Joab, this is what the king says. Come out. But Joab said, no, for I will die here. So Maniah took a message back to the king. This is what Joab said, and this is how he answered me. The king said to him, do just, do just as he says. Strike him down and bury him in order to remove from me 
and from my father's family the blood that Joab shed without just cause. The Lord will bring back his own blood on his on his head because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he without my father David's knowledge. With his sword, Joab murdered Abner, son of Ner, commander of Israel's army, and Amasa, son of Jether, commander of Judah's army. The responsibility for their deaths will come back to Joab and to his descendants forever. But for David, his descendants, his dynasty, and his throne, there will be peace from the Lord forever. Benaiah, son of Jehida, went up, struck down Joab, and put him to death. He was buried at his house in the wilderness. Then the king appointed Benaiah, son of Jehida, in Joab's place over the army, and he appointed the priest Zadok in Abiathar's place. So you got Zadok and Benaiah are now the Benaiah's over the army, and Zadok is now priest. Interesting. Shimmy's banishment and execution. Man, he, yeah, he out here setting things straight. That just shows you, yeah, whenever, once again, once somebody comes to power, they got a clean house. <laughs> just imagine if, like, when the, yeah, whenever our government, yeah, like, Democrats take over the White House and stuff, like, yeah, if they just started just executing folks, same thing like Republicans, vice versa. When like one party took over, they was like, you know, what? we just want to take these fools out. <laughs> That'd be wild, but that wouldn't be a democracy. That would mean we were in a monarchy or a, what is it? Aristocracy? I can't remember all the different. I know monarchies have a king and oh, I, got, I don't know. I forgot all that stuff. But yeah, there's different types of government. And this is technically a, a monarchy. So I think an aristocracy is when like a ruling majority runs things, runs the government. Yeah. Anyway, go, yeah, go back and research all that stuff. But this is in this situation, we got a monarchy going on. And yeah, as I've said before, from watching those, yeah. Roman, I know I sound like an old man, like my grandpa, I'm repeating myself. But yeah, in those old Roman documentaries I would watch, they would straight up, yeah, whenever a new uh, new Roman emperor would take over, uh, yeah, they would take out, they would take out whatever, uh, all the family members of the previous regime, regime. Dun, 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 but they were hold on a second Rome was a it's an aristocracy I think they were an example of a Rome was an aristocracy I think that's what it was yeah the Roman aristocracy was composed of a class of citizens called patricians while all other citizens were called plebeians. During the first phase of political development, the patrician aristocracy dominated the state and the plebeians began seeking political rights. I knew I wasn't far off aristocracy. Yeah, it's the highest class in certain societies, especially those holding hereditary titles or offices, a form of government in which power is held by the nobility, a state governed by the aristocracy or the, yeah. But they usually will put somebody, yeah, like in power, like a, like Caesar, but his power is limited by the ruling class. Anyway, I didn't mean to go that deep. But here we have a monarchy with King David. Where he pretty much calls the shots. Or in this case, Solomon. All right, verse 36. See, it's good to, once again, let things marinate, process. A lot of this stuff I learned in school back in the day, but I forgot a lot of this stuff. I don't know, just to clarify things, you know. All right, verse 36. Then the king summoned Shimei and said to him, build a house for yourself in Jerusalem and live there. But don't live, 
But don't leave. But don't leave there and go anywhere else. Hmm. On the day you do leave and cross the Kidron Valley, know for sure that you will certainly die. Hmm. Why do you say build a house for yourself in Jerusalem and live there, but don't leave there and go anywhere else? On the day you do leave and cross the Kidron Valley, know for sure that you will certainly die. Your blood will be on your own head. Basically, he sentences due to solitary confinement. (laughs) I wonder who was guarding the house and let know if he left. That's what that sounds like to me. Almost like a island of Patmos kind of situation, or um, what's that one place that people talk about? But uh, what's it called? Guantanamo Bay. But anyway, he's actually get to he get, he at least gets to stay in Jerusalem. He's not on some island. All right, Shimmy said to the king, "The sentence is fair. Your servant will do as my lord the king has spoken." And Shimmy lived in Jerusalem for a long time. All right, well then what happens? Because it says in the heading of this, his banishment and execution. So that makes me think he must have disobeyed and left. All right, here we go, verse thirty-nine. But then, yep, at the end of three years, two of Shimmy's slaves ran away to Achish, son of Maka, king of Gath. Shimmy was informed. Look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shimmy saddled his donkey. <laughs> the slaves were like, yeah, they were smart. They were like, uh, shoot, we don't have to put up with this no more. We can leave. You can't leave. We can leave. You can't leave. So Shimmy saddled his donkey and set out to Achish at Gath. Uh-oh. To search for his slaves. He went and brought them back from Gath. It was reported to Solomon that, yeah, somebody snitched on him. Someone snitched. Oh, man, poor, poor Chevy. Oh, poor Chevy. Oh, man, this is sad. I shouldn't laugh because I don't know. I don't know what I would have done in that situation. It's the whole, these scenarios though make me laugh. Just, I don't know. Anyway, he's like, I'm going to get my slaves back. It was reported to Solomon that Shimmy had gone from Jerusalem. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the slaves, all of them slaves are like, hey. I wouldn't tell everybody, hey, hey, go tell Solomon Shimmy is out. He came, he left, he left the house. He wasn't supposed to leave the house. I would be hating, I would be yelling. Shimmy over there like, shh, shh, be quiet. Muzzle them slaves. Verse 41, it was reported to Solomon that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had returned. So the king summoned Shimei and said to him, didn't I make you swear by the Lord and warn you saying on the day you leave and go anywhere else? Know for sure that you will certainly die. It's kind of like a parent. I love when parents would be like, they remind you of stuff that they said, like, yeah, asking you a question they already know the answer to. Like, yeah, just to say it out loud. And as a reminder, just in case we forgot. And you said to me, the sentence is fair. I will obey. So why have you not kept the Lord's oath in the command that I gave you? You had one job, one task, Jimmy, to stay up in that house and never leave. But he's like, man, master, my my groceries. <laughs> who's going to do all this work for me? Who's going to make yeah? Who's going to feed me? Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to, uh, yeah. I wonder how many slaves he had total. If he just had two, they must have been some special slaves. Who was all up in that house? And the king also said, you yourself know all the evil that you did to my father, David. Therefore, the Lord has brought back your evil on your head. But King Solomon will be blessed and David's throne will remain established before the Lord forever. It's interesting that Solomon keeps repeating this. But King Solomon, it just shows you the power of words. Because he keeps repeating himself, even though we already know this. Anyway, verse 46. Then the king commanded Benaiah, son of Jehida, and he went out and struck Shimei down, and he died. So the kingdom was established in Solomon's hand. And Benaiah, Benaiah was putting in some work, man. He was a hitman. 
I wonder how he took these people out. And he like break their neck like uh what's that one guy's name? Chuck Norris. I used to watch some Chuck Norris movies when I was a kid and he run up on folks in the in the in the uh in the jungle, snap their neck. I wonder what like his choice of execution was. Kinda morbid, but hey. I used to play Call of Duty, so I don't know. I used to be into like anyway. Ah, all right, let's read these Tony Evans notes and close it out. And then, yeah, get on this road. Even though I don't want to, but I need to. Because bills don't sleep. If Solomon would be careful, if Solomon would be careful to put God's word at the center of his reign, he would have success in everything. David's words were especially important given the covenant God had made with David, granting him an eternal dynasty and establishing his throne forever. Because it required that Solomon and his sons after him walk faithfully before God. Though ultimately Solomon and his descendants would fail in this, God would fulfill his own covenant requirements. When the time was right, he would send his perfect son, born of the line of David. Jesus Christ would fulfill the demands of God's law, offer his life as an atoning sacrifice for sin, and then rise from the dead. He will sit on David's throne and reign Forever and he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings, hallelujah, hallelujah, and Lord of lords. All right. In the United States, election winners enter office and the losers go to do something else. I was just talking about that. It's funny. Most of us don't know what it's like to live in a monarchy in which the king must always be on guard against the plotting of his enemies. He wants to assassinate him and usurp his throne. Joab had proved to be fierce and self-serving. His loyalty could not be trusted. He would be a liability to Solomon. Yeah, he constantly had to work. Yeah, he have to keep his head on a swivel. I got to take this cat out. It was about time for Shimmy to answer for cursing the Lord's anointed. Yeah. Yeah, that couldn't last. Yeah. That's why they got to be very careful, y'all, when we talk about other Christians or curse them or say bad things. Like, yeah, God hears it all. Shoot, as soon as I get off of this uh, podcast, I need to repent of some things I've said. Um, Yeah, even though it was in anger and frustration. But, yeah, you got to be real careful about saying bad things about the Lord's anointed or anybody not just a Christian, but even people that don't serve Christ, because at some point they most likely, hopefully, will give their life to Christ. And you should sit and say anything bad about anybody, period. Be careful about your words, because God hears it all. Remember what happened to uh, Miriam, uh, Abraham's sister? Yeah. When she was hating on Sarah, she got turned white skin got turned white all right it was about time for shimmy to answer for cursing the lord's anointed all right the scheming adonijah reminded bathsheba cue the sad music <laughs> that he and all israel expected him to be king but that it was but that it was taken away from him he was basically whining like uh like somebody from uh jodeci yeah the jodeci tears going on Abishag had been David's concubine. To acquire a woman from a king's harem was to have grounds for claiming the crown. Wow. He's trying to find like a little secret way in. Yeah, he was trying. That's what it was. Yeah, he had, he was like trying to find a loophole. He was like, hmm, how can I weasel my way into this back to get my crown? He's like, hmm. Hmm, let me get one of them concubines. Hmm. Yep. Abishag. Let me get her. <laughs> wow. Whether Bathsheba was oblivious to what Adonijah's request meant or understood, it all too sorry. Whether Bathsheba was oblivious to what Adonijah's request meant or understood it all too well, she related. Adonijah's request was really an act of treason. Since Adonijah had been next in line in the normal succession of kings, Mary and Abishag would have given him two claims to the throne in the eyes of Israel's people. Mm. Mm. 
Years before, David pronounced judgment on himself when he thought he was passing judgment on the villain of Nathan's story about a rich man eating a poor man's pet sheep. He'd said, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay four lambs for that lamb. Go back and see 2 Samuel 12, 5. If y'all remember that whole story. You know, Nathan was confronting David about, um, the prophet Nathan was confronting David about him killing Uriah. He's like, hey, you are that man when you kill Uriah and got Bathsheba. Up to this point, David had paid for his sins with the lives of three lambs. His sons, Amnon, wow. Absalom and the unnamed baby boy resulting from his adultery. Man, see this this kind of stuff. When I read this, it scares me because it's like, once again, all of our sin, like that's what people, that's what our world forgets is ultimately God is on the throne. We actually... I, it's so easy to think because we live, it's easy to just look at what, there's a scripture I have on my board. It says, yeah, take, no, um, oh, I don't have it on my board anymore, but I used to have it up. It says, uh, for we do not, fo- I can't remember, where, remember exactly where it is, but we do not focus on what is seen, but we focus on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I, I talked to my counselor, you know, he often says like, as we get older and approach death, the veil, there's like a veil. Uh, it's like, it's like looking through, um, a, uh, a, how do I say it? Almost looking like looking through, uh, there's a scripture that talks about how looking through a, 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 a murky veil or whatever, when we're seeing things, um, I can't remember where is that scripture. You know what? I'm gonna go find it real quick. Looking through a here he goes. First Corinthians thirteen twelve says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. Basically, and there's different translations of that scripture. What was a, a better, another translation? Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. For now we see in a dimly, or English Standard Version says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Yes. Yeah, like a dim mirror, a dim mirror, or a dark mirror, a blurry, like a blurry mirror. mirror. Everything is blurry, but as we get closer to, approach closer to death, everything's become clear. And yeah, David, we live in a world where we act as though God is not on the throne, that he's not king, and that, um, He's not in control of everything. We live. That's why, yeah, as Christians, we are we are um, citizens of two kingdoms, citizens of heaven. And we're citizens of, yeah, whatever country you live in, United States or, you know, United Kingdom or I don't know, wherever you live, wherever, whatever type of government Australia has, you know, um, whatever type of government Brazil has. But I think they have a democracy, but. Yes, we're citizens of two kingdoms and God sees it all. He judges everything and the world calls it karma and says, you know, what goes around comes around. But ultimately, um, yeah, the Bible talks a lot about seed time harvest and, you know, uh, yeah, sowing and reaping. That's a, yeah, so the seeds that David sowed, he was reaping the seeds of his sin. 
and everything we say, everything we do, everything we do every day. That's why it's kind of scary. <laughs> oh, man. Every day we are sowing seeds and that are going to eventually grow. And so the question is, what are we sowing seeds into? And yeah, here, David, yeah. My prayer is always, Lord, I know I've sown some seeds that I'm not proud of, that I should never have sown. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for grace and mercy, the blood of Jesus, that it will, yeah, love covers a multitude of sins. So, man, David had to lose three of his sons, man, because of his sin with Uriah. And this says, Adonijah was the fourth untimely loss. The lesson is clear. Even forgiving sin has consequences. <sighs> Even though our sin is forgiven, we got to face the consequences. And I'm definitely facing a lot of consequences for my sin and poor choices. It's like, Lord, please. Yes, I've already been punished a lot. Please, Lord, please, though. <laughs> No more. No more, Lord. I don't yeah, I can't I don't know how much more I can take. <sighs> Being distant, but the word also says he disciplines those he loves, so as sad as this was for David to lose four of his sons. Wow, this is crazy. We see the fruit of David's sin right before our eyes. But he still loved David. He still loved him. And we live under, yeah, thank God we live under an age of grace. Because there, there are so many things. I honestly would say God has dealt with me very um, graciously. Because it could be a whole lot worse. If you take all my sins. Anyway. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy that my sins are separated as far as the east is from the west. So this is just this is just an encouragement to all y'all out there that are just blatantly out here sinning. Um, shoot, this is speaking to myself, too. Sometimes you sin without even trying, even thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah, ask. That's why David, um, um, Used to say a lot, yeah. Search me, O oh God, and know if there if there's any anxious thoughts in me. Uh, just yeah, he used to just ask God to search His heart continually. So we should do that same thing. Ask God to search our heart, and because yeah, more we sin blatantly, um, it can cause you to cause anxiety and fear. Cause yeah, we're we're wired to know that there's consequences for our sin. As much as we try to, it's easy to try to avoid, um, pretend like, oh, you know, yeah. When you don't, when you don't just blatantly go out here and do things you're not supposed to, then you can sleep peacefully at night without anxiety, without paranoia, without worry. So, anyway, yes, Lord, grace, grace. Grace, 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 grace. All right. Where was I? So yeah, Adonarchan was the fourth untimely loss. The lesson is clear. Even forgiving sin has consequences. And Abiathar's dismissal for having dismissal for having conspired with Adonijah, we see that while God's wheels of judgment often grind slowly. He is as faithful to judge as he is to pardon and forgive. Hmm. That's an interesting phrase. God's wheels of judgment grind slowly. All right, and that's it. That's all Tony has. Man, I don't know. If if you're not convicted, for those of y'all didn't hear all that, I mean, not convicted by all that after reading that or hearing all that, I don't know what will convict you. So 
And once again, we can't we can try to clean ourselves up. But it's by the Holy Spirit that we're able to walk blameless before the Lord. Um, even though as I read that, I, I'm trembling. Um, got a few goosebumps. Actually, yeah, there's a few. But it's the Holy Spirit that is enables us to walk blameless before the Lord. I mean, to know that, yeah, I did this, that, the other. There's consequences for it. But no matter what, God has dealt graciously with me and will continue to deal graciously with me for the sins I've committed in the past, the sins I'm currently committing, and the ones that I will commit in the future because I'm not perfect until I, because you're saved. And then, yeah, which I'm going to give those of you who've never asked Jesus in your heart, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to ask Jesus into your heart. And from that point on, you're, a sir, you're saved from eternal judgment or in condemnation into hell um, for eternal, yeah, for eternity. You're saved from that. And from this point on, you go through a process of sanctification where you become more and more like Jesus, who is the only perfect man to ever walk the face of this earth. And as you become more like him, then eventually when you die, you'll get a glorified body and you will be, um, there'll be glorification to where you no longer have to wrestle with sin and no longer wrestle with um, constant temptation and fear and anxiety over, you know, whether you did this or that wrong. And so walking blameless through the power of the Holy Spirit empowers you to not be in constant fear and anxiety and to um, be tempted to walk in a spirit of religion where you, you just doing things in order to appear good before God. But God knows your heart. He knows exactly. He sees right through all that. So anyway, it's kind of hard to explain this, these concepts, but it's as you walk with the Lord and you spend time in his word and you pray and, you know, worship him and listen to worship music and just spend time in his presence. These these concepts, they're no longer just concepts. They're just it's kind of like, how do I say it? It's almost like, yeah. When I, how do I do, what's the best example? When I played basketball and you just did the fundamentals, you know, you learned how to pass, shoot, dribble, how to play defense, get in defensive stances. And then as time went on, then you added on so you could dribble through your legs and dribble around your back and do spin moves and throw alley-oops and dunk the ball and do all kinds of stuff. Um I didn't actually dunk a ball until after I graduated high school, unfortunately. But yeah, so yeah, you get better and better, right? And things become second nature. You're just natural. Or somebody who's a cook, you learn the basics of, cook, basics of cooking from like your grandma or your mom. And then as time goes on, you get better and you, you know, it just, you don't have, sometimes you don't even have to really follow a cookbook or a recipe anymore. It just, yeah, it just, if anything, you'll just go to that cookbook for references here and there. But like, yeah, this word, what I'm trying to say is this word, reading the word, praying, spending time in fellowship with other Christians, worshiping God. Those are the fundamentals. And then as time goes on, it just becomes a part of you, especially his word. It's like the word is just in you and it's not just religion it's a part of your life. It's your everyday life. So, and it's, you do it without, just like you don't have to think about breathing. You don't have to think about talking. You don't have to think about walking. You, it just comes natural. So anyway, all right. Romans three twenty three says, for all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three says, for the wages of the cost of that sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated or showed his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with our hearts, we believe we are now in right standing with God and with our mouths, we confess that we are now saved. Romans 10, verse 13 says that if we will, that whosoever anybody or everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord 
they will be saved. You can simply say this prayer to ask Jesus into your heart. You can say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've missed the mark. I know I've veered off the path. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Hope y'all enjoy that, even though it's, yeah, almost an hour-long episode. One of my longest ones in a while. So, hope that bless you the way it blessed me. And just know that Jesus loves you. And um, no matter what you're going through, you can always turn to him. And even though our sins have consequences, and some of those consequences are sad and very, um, we don't have to be, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in worry or anxiety because Jesus, when he died on the cross, when he shed his blood, his love, his great love covers all of those sins. And even though we may suffer temporarily on this, in these earthly bodies, that are perishing, nothing compares to the surpassing glory that we will experience in heaven as we endure this suffering, as we endure the temptations, as we endure the consequences of even our bad choices. We can just give it to the Lord and he redeems it and restores it all. So anyway, God bless y'all. Have a great day. And uh, yeah, looking forward to reading First Kings chapter three. Hopefully it's not as uh, morbid and gory. All right. Deuces.